liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Today I had on Ryan Christian from The Last American Vagabond. He is a conspiracy analyst like myself, I would say. I wouldn't put him in the theorist category because he's very pragmatic and he's great at uh, studying things and figuring out and researching and, and just basically doing a good job of not going too far, but going just far enough that you can actually get some truth that you won't find anywhere else. We had an amazing conversation and because we go so deep on some topics you're not allowed to, this episode will be exclusively on Rumble and obviously on the podcast because I can say whatever the fuck I want on here. And that's lovely. So enjoy the episode with Ryan Christian of The Last American Vagabond. Welcome everybody to another special episode of Liberty Lockdown. Today I have on Ryan Christian, the host of The Last American Vagabond, uh, one of the best daily news shows. You can find them on Rumble. Thank you for coming on, Ryan. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And it's uh, kind words. I, I like your show as well. And I'm glad that, uh, the, the, you know, what I've been saying a lot lately, and I'm sure you as well, the more connection we can make right now between all of the really great efforts happening right now to fight against this, the better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We got to, uh, since uh, the mainstream tries to keep us down, we got to lift each other up. So uh, I love right. the net networking. It's really important. Um, yeah. And I meant it. I mean, your, your show is great. Uh, what you're covering, you're because you're uh you're not really trying to mess with the YouTube algos and shit. You get to be even more honest and direct than me. So for my right. sake, we're going to have to code some things. But uh, uh, you, you were talking about um, the, the updated uh, parameters of what equals fully V'd. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, I mean, as you said also on your show, it seems as if this has been the plan maybe since Jump, if not very early on in the game. Uh, at, at this point, I just kind of I marvel at the fact that even people that are pro V don't find anything concerning about the fact that you have a a CEO of a company, you know, a publicly traded company that has a product that is mandated to the masses. He has a liability shield and he gets to go out and market it as you need to take this indefinitely. Huh. How is it possible that people even even if they believe in it, don't go, I can see why people would be skeptical. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it speaks to the, all the different discussions circling around this right now, you know, pop t talking about hypnosis, mass psychosis, or I mean, long before, like early in the early days of this, I was using the term as just schizophrenic, you know, not like literally schizophrenic, but like the idea that that what, which is what we're discussing today. They like broke their brains, like a schism. Like they don't, they can't make sense of the things of certain concepts alongside each other. And it's very obvious. And it or it just goes back the beginning before the creation of this country and social engineering, you know what I mean? The way that they've created our school systems and the way that the medical system operates. And it's all meant to drive in a very controlled direction, you know, but all of that said where we are now, it's just fear. People have been completely irrationally driven into a state of fear. You know, to a point to where it's, it's, it, I know very intelligent people that are simply just brought to, to nothing in the face of the facts, evidence you throw in front of them, and they just don't even want to look at it. You know, there's people that I know are very clearly critical thinkers, but they have just been convinced that their life is at threat here. 
And so it's just, it, they've pinpointed that a long time ago, whether it's virus or parasite stress theory is what I'm referring to, or other things, they know that they can use health specifically to drive people into a state of irrational fear and they circumvent their logic. Now I, sh I should say out of the gate, I'll do, I'm not one to self-censor and, and do with the words and stuff, but I'll do my best. I don't know what I'm not supposed to say, but it's hard for me. I'll say injection. I'll try to do my best on whatever else, but ultimately yeah. I think it's important that we, you know, that we do our best to get the information across. But I understand why that happens a lot in these fields today, especially YouTube. It's just a dumpster fire over there today. Yeah. I mean, uh, eventually I'll be booted too. So it's, it's not, it's not that I'm doing this, uh, you know, I'm just so early on. I only started my show a year and a half ago and, and I have a decent audience over on YouTube. So I'm trying to stay there as long as I can uh, while still while still telling the truth. But it's just right. there's a value, you know. like I keep saying, to as long as you're, you know, you're, you're not pulling your punches in regard which you're not your information, you know, is right. it's, it's important to be on a place like that, to be able to reach those people where most of the lost people are. What I argue exactly. is average people out there that don't have a show like yours, but yet still watch on YouTube. They're the ones that need to be going anywhere else. Yes. You know, we're still trying to serve, tr uh, serve a purpose here. I would argue that both of us would go anywhere but YouTube the moment that YouTube was no longer a relevant source of reaching the lost people out there. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and uh, you know, I have, I do put my show on Odyssey. I just got onboarded with Rumble, so I'll be doing that uh, this week. You, your episode may be the first episode I ever put on Rumble. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, this is it's all part of a, a, a great migration, and we've seen other great migrations when it comes from leaving blue states in this country. Uh, anyway, I want I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, BlackRock because I I had I, a your first question actually it's my fault that I always do that my mind is always so sporadic I, oh. I jump off and but to your point about fully vaccinated because I think that's such an oh yes yes yes, yes. It, it's it's so incredible to me that we are watching that that's that was kind of your focal point of that question is that yeah. it's amazing that they're not being shook by that which I actually think a lot of them are and I think that speaks to the false majority of a lot of this you know that they want us to think that we are this fringe crazy lunatic group when I truly believe the majority of Americans at the very least the world most likely are aware that we are being manipulated. That doesn't mean that, you know, within that group, they might think masks are good. They might think injections are a smart thing, but we're all at a point now where we're going, okay, wait a minute. This is getting a little bit over the top. Like even like I point to Shepard Smith with Walensky on a, on a recent show where he kind of lost his cool. Mm. And it's mm -hmm. like I said, the natives are getting restless. Like they're going like, wait a minute, you're telling us the third shot is important and necessary, but you're not forcing them to do it. Like they're like, we're on your side, force them. Why aren't we doing this? You know, it's like, they don't even understand why this isn't happening. And I think it's because they're desperately afraid they're going to lose those people when they push that third shot, which is already happening. Ontario, Israel, even the United States, lo certain locations are saying, well, you need the fourth one now or the third one even, excuse me, and fourth is in Israel and Ontario. But the point is, if you force that third one, all these people that were like, well, I don't really want a third one. I only did this to go along with you. I'm with you this far. They're going to lose a huge portion of that. And yeah. so this shifting we're seeing is just irrational. It's not based in science. And even those people are beginning to see that. I yeah. think so. They're, they're in a really precarious situation where they're trying to balance both of those at the same time. Yeah, well, I think that they may have pushed it too far. And, and certainly in time, it'll be even more in our favor. It's just like, how far do they go and how how much are they willing to sacrifice? I mean, perfect example of yeah. what you're talking about, the, the natives getting restless. You have that that uh, troll lady, I forget her name right now, but the, the mayor of Chicago who came out and went against the... Uh, the, the teachers unions saying, no, we have to keep these schools open because it is politically unpopular at this point to shut down the schools for this stuff because enough, I mean, whether or not people have been convinced based off of the actual science or if they're 
if they're just simply sick of having their kids at home. I don't know which, and I don't really care. I love the fact that people are finally fighting back and the fact that you have a complete lunatic scumbag mayor that's willing to, uh, you know, tell the teachers union to shove it. That's that's progress, uh, no matter how you frame it. And, it and you're all. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I, just, I was agreeing with you. It really uh, is. And it's nice. to see. I actually would argue that that's been that way for a long time. And these people, it's, it's those of us on this side of it that are finally beginning to realize that they've always been that middle group that have never really been what they claim was on their side. They just kind of go with the flow. They don't really care, you know, so they, they're, they're easily framed however they want them to be appear to see. They don't think they're part of a majority, but right. we are finally beginning to see that. And that's powerful. No, it is. Uh, that's, that's been a big, you know, calling card of my show is to tell people if you'll talk honestly, you will find that so many more people in your, in your personal life, see things almost exactly how you do. Um, right. It's just that we're all so quiet that we, we don't find our allies because we believe that we're the political, you know, super minority. And it's just not, it's not reality. And I, I don't know if you've been following the, the cognitive dissidence Olympics. That is the Scott Adams meltdown. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's funny you say that. I haven't been following it, but I, I was there in the beginning of it. And I commented on the show and I did a couple of tweets about it. I haven't been following up until this day, but I okay. love to hear that because it's such a perfect, the meltdown is such an obvious example of people being absolutely unwilling to acknowledge <laughs> that they could have been wrong. He, like, he, I don't even have to be, I don't even want to have to have him say, I made a mistake. I was incorrect. He's even unwilling to be like, you're right. I could have been wrong and you could have been right. Not just that we tripped over something and fell <laughs> backwards into the right answer. It's like, We've been using the evidence and peer-reviewed research the whole damn time, you know. So fill me in. What's happening lately? Because uh, I, I well, love that. It's hilarious. So he he's he's evolved to the point of being willing to basically acknowledge he's wrong, but now he's justifying his incorrectness by saying, "I went with the experts, and anybody who didn't was the was in fact dumber than me because I was listening to experts." Like wow. he's like. He's like, yeah, I went, I went along with this and it was a mistake, but I was still correct somehow. It's, it's really remarkable. It, it, wow. yeah, I love how you call it the cognitive dissonance Olympics. That's exactly what that it's amazing to watch how yeah. he literally, you know what this, this perfectly highlights what I've been trying to show from the beginning of this more than ever before that these people and a lot of the average people that follow these people have literally been convinced they will, they, they will stand by this till they die, that they are so well-researched because they listen to what the experts said, because they listen to what authority said is the truth. So when they say trust the science, they don't mean trust the science. They mean trust what they tell me the science is. And that is actually intelligence to them. Like right. this is a level of social engineering and it's absolutely staggering. I point to where the CDC was called out. I, who, I forget what uh, journalist it was probably on the right because of the breakdown, but they, they basically said, how do you know these are Delta cases. It's been Delta. And this question we are all pointing at, like, obviously, because I, it's only just now beginning to unravel in front of them that they don't have the ability to know. And I've been saying this from day one, it's right. genetic sequencing that finds out the variants. And so he asked her, like, how do you actually know that's Delta? And she goes, because the CDC told us. Like, she was like, <laughs> what are you even talking about? Like, she didn't even understand. He's like, yes, yes, I know. But how do you know that they're, how do they know that they're Delta? And she's like, what like she had she couldn't even comprehend the question and i no. made that such a clear point like they are just blindly following the blindly following you know it's it's it's, it's pretty bad i'm glad I, that, I, that going that way yeah no me too i i nearly ratioed scott in a reply just saying he's like if anyone could tell me what i've been wrong about i'd really appreciate it and i was just like look man you have you have basically appealed to authority while discounting other authorities 
There are other authorities. They exist that that are completely adequately credentialed to compete intellectually with these people that you've gone along with. But you just simply went with the majority and and you ended up being wrong. And now you're telling everybody that that was right from the beginning that it was just luck. And that, yeah, who, that who we are still experts that you're pointing to, right? So right. it's not like we were just guessing off the top of our head. We were also pointing to the experts. That speaks to the idea of what an expert is in the mainstream field. It doesn't have anything to do with data, research, credentials. It's that you say the right thing. You know, that what the narrative is decided is the right thing. And if you toe that line, then you're an expert. We've watched this with all of them, right? People that were experts right up until they didn't say the right thing. And I mean, it's the same with the vaccine scenario. You're fully vaccinated on the right side, right up until you don't take the next one. So are you anti-vax suddenly? Yes, that's what they're saying. How does that even make sense? I mean, this speaks, (laughs) I hate to keep pointing back to it, but the more we actually unravel all this, it continually points to something like a psychological manipulation, mass psychosis, or I, I don't know how you make sense of it. Yeah, I, I, I basically just have to call it a psyop. It, it, yeah. it, it screams it. And uh, speaking of a, a deep level potential psyop, and I don't know if are you are you a fan of the No Agenda show? Uh, I'm aware. Yeah, I mean, I, oh, I don't, you're aware of it. I mean, no, well, I'm sure I, I might have seen it if it's circ- circulating. Oh, it's so good, man. Um, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. The, Adam's been on my show. They're they're legends. Adam will be on uh, Joe Rogan this week, so it's going to be a huge, huge deal. But they they have highlighted uh, in a really profound way that Robert Malone, Dr. Malone, who I think probably sees things more similarly to how you and I do, is mm-hmm. is likely an asset. Have you ever heard the term limited hangout? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been seeing this talk circulate lately, and yeah. it's, I'm, glad, I'm glad people are being skeptical. I, I, yeah. I don't know where I stand on it yet, but I, I actually haven't dug in. As I've been watching some of these and keeping those tweets off to the side. I'll probably dig into that today, yeah. but I, I, it per- makes perfect sense. I mean, why? Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced either, and I don't want to like besmirch his name because I think that, in my opinion, even if he is propagating a message that is a form of limited hangout, and for my listeners that aren't familiar with the term, it's CIA language for when they're running an op and they basically it's it's they're burnt. You know, it's like it's not working. They they give you enough of the truth to get you to stop looking at the more dangerous plot that was beneath it. Right. Um, so that's the idea of limited hangout. Need you to stop looking further into the, the meat of the topic. Exactly. And, and what might actually be their real plan um, right. so that right. they can still get the real plan accomplished. And, and I think that it's a it's a fair concern to have. Malone in particular would be so ripe for this because he is he is a guy who I believe was involved legitimately in the the creation of mRNA um, injectable technology and and he didn't get credit for it and it seems to me that that is a really big thorn in his side and for someone who wants to have public acknowledgement of his achievements he would be a perfect guy to have them reach out to because he's, he was very open on the Joe Rogan experience that I, you know, he has CIA contacts. He has worked with them. He co-wrote a book with one of them. It's like, it's like this guy has those contacts. It wouldn't take much for them to influence him into going down kind of a side path that's adjacent to the truth, but not fully there. Or even that he's not aware that that's happening. Right. I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah, but but to make a few comments on that, I mean, first of all, I would argue, I don't know where I would stand on it because I, I think just because those contacts are there does not therefore mean somebody is. And that's a that's a, fa- a fault 
of this community in a lot of ways is where he sure. tend to just kind of go, oh, well, you know, his, his grandmother's cousin was a CIA agent, therefore he's <laughs> compromised. And it's like, well, geez, you know, it definitely could be. And that's not something to dismiss, but I need proof and evidence more so, you know? And so for me, I'm definitely concerned about that. And I have been since before this. I mean, his ties to a lot of these, anybody that has this background, somebody like a, uh, was it Vert Vanderbosch or I forget if he's actually pronouncing his name correctly. You know, he worked for Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has ties to that. I mean, and and so same point. It's like, well, yeah, I'm very skeptical of where that goes, especially when it ends up on like, well, yes, there are some uses for this and the passport makes sense. You know, see, so they're like, well, we shouldn't force it on kids. And where well, I agree with that. Is, but it ends up leading in the direction of the same infrastructure. Now, he hasn't necessarily been doing that. I've actually been seeing him go the other way, where like when I first interviewed him, there was a lot of things he said in that interview that he pushed back on, that he's later come around to saying, like, turns out, like, I guess my, my thoughts were correct, you know, and okay. he's now even coming back around to say, like, well, the vaccine, I don't even know if I think it's good for anybody, you know. So if it goes that direction and he evolves in that direction, I would be more to, more prone to say that he seems like somebody who is pushing back and is opening it up. But we should always be skeptical. That's question yeah. everything, right? I mean, that's the whole point. We should never be like, oh, he said the right things today. Therefore, he's always the right guy on our side. Exactly. But I think when I think we'll know very clearly when the time comes and there will be the people that don't want to acknowledge that there's an obvious red flag, you know, and that's how well, this always goes. Hey, this is Isaac Morehouse here, the CEO of Crash.co. If you're listening to Liberty Lockdown, congratulations. You're fucking awake. That's good. <laughs> I love it. That also means you're the type of person that cares about autonomy and freedom. And freedom is not just an abstract philosophical concept. It's not just some political theory Freedom is how you actually live and engage with the world on a day-to-day basis. When the rubber meets the road, are you freer today than you were yesterday? Now, there's a lot of stuff that's outside of your control. There's a lot of aspects of freedom you can't control. But one that you can control is your career. Your career, if you're on the job hunt actively, or if you're just looking for how to parlay your skills into more opportunities to be an entrepreneur, to work for a, a great startup, whatever it might be, Go to crash.co, sign up for free to the Daily Job Hunt newsletter. You get absolutely awesome information and inspiration in your inbox every day and a bunch of free member benefits. You get access to career guides, a custom video pitch builder to showcase your skills, and a lot more. Go to crash.co, check it out, sign up for free, and keep listening to Liberty Lockdown. And and this is always a problem because uh, it could also be that the CIA doesn't like him. So they're now trying to undermine him to make people think that he's an asset so that his information is, is discounted. So convoluted. And then what happens is it'll end up being pointed to the fact that he is saying something like, like he said before, you know, where it's like, he's not exactly on the same line where he's like, this could be good. And they're like, Oh, there it is. We knew it. You know? And it's like, we just gotta be, we gotta stop doing that so much. These are just things that notate and we go, okay, that's a possible. You know, oh, exactly. You know, I I, I want to be very clear. I I was not saying it definitively. I just thought I thought it was an interesting, uh, you know, analysis. And and the most recent no agenda will give more of the reason that I even brought it up. Had I thought there was no merit to it, I wouldn't have. But again, I'm not saying that it's actually true. No, I completely agree. I didn't mean to imply that. I think I'm right in line with you completely. I think it's a valid point that we should definitely be considering. And I think your discussion of it that you're talking about is absolutely correct. I mean, I think that it's something that is very prevalent in this field. I mean, like right now, like to to the other point exactly even, it could be just as likely that somebody, him or anybody else is not aware that they're being used in this way. And I think there's a lot of that in the independent media. Oh, 
Oh yes, <laughs> absolutely. Alex Jones has been victim to it a lot, and I and I love Alex Jones, but that doesn't change the fact he gets dropped anonymous information and he runs with it. So why would they not use him to get some things across that that are false? And uh, it's just so easy to undermine. And this is the problem with alternative media is that you know we are trying, we are on the fringes of information, so we're trying to like. We're trying to get the truth, but we can also be a little bit too anxious for the truth. And, and to your point about, you know, how, how we need to be careful about not, um, you know, besmirching people's reputations. And I'm not trying to besmirch uh, Dr. Malone's reputation. I think that if at worst he is being used, and I don't even think that's a, a guarantee. Um, and I think he's an extra- extraordinarily brave and courageous human being regardless. And, and I'm extremely appreciative of him. So I do not want to uh, downplay his efforts, but there a perfect example would be I bet there are a, a handful, if not a lot of people that were on Jeffrey Epstein's planes that are not terrible, you know, pedophile people. And, yeah. But because there's there's hundreds of names on those lists, like I seriously doubt they're all evil, terrible people. But, you know, now also, because of the story, they just all get wrapped up into it. Somebody who wants to be inside, you know, somebody who's on the cusp of this doesn't, you know, well, I would argue, though, that it's most likely that people that were on the level to be even given an invite to that plane are probably not the cleanest people on the planet. I mean, let's be really honest. Because they find their way into this circle, (laughs) they're probably a little bit morally compromised to some degree. And that's the reason they were there. And that's probably why they wanted there so they could capture that information to be used against them. That's the whole process. But I agree with you is that there could have been somebody that just stepped into that and was kind of like had no idea what they were really getting into and yeah that's certainly possible yeah he's like he's like a free private jet ride like that sounds awesome (laughs) why not yeah it's party and i'm gonna get famous and make money and you know whatever the the mindset would be but yeah and that's and that is a definitely a problematic thing is that we tend to just jump down those like i always say in regard to the mainstream media we all see what they do they are willfully misrepresenting information. They are omitting things. They are absolutely giving you false, lying about everything. And so if we just step into the same field and just kind of do the same thing, make subjective you know, guesses about things, and you know, we need to be better than they are if we're yeah. going to actually change things. You know, that's the problem is that things change. They tend to just play the same battle and you know, the one side wins, then it's the same problem from a different perspective. And we think we've changed. A lot of people thought Trump's election was the win you know it's all over we did it we made it and clearly that wasn't the case you know no no that would uh that would have been false hope in my opinion uh, yeah. but yeah your points your point's exactly right it's like we I, I think i think that the problem is is that when we suspect something we don't get investigations you know whether it be the right. the, the justification for the people that were protesting on january 6th uh or it be and any of the uh, Epstein affair where you didn't have any of the patrons of these these victims being prosecuted and investigated, like for the most part, it, almost none of them. And it's like, well, if that's the case, if you have a system that does not uh, distribute justice in an even handed way to the powerful and the elite, you're going to have people that become conspiracy theory minded and start to accuse anyone that's an associate of any of these people that do get convicted of being exactly what those other people were convicted of. And it's like, well, that's not our fault. Like the, the reason that we're being so skeptical is because you aren't investigating it. We don't even know that these people are innocent. All I'm asking for is an investigation. That's all the people on January 6th were asking for was a legitimate investigation. Um, and for the record, I didn't support it. I, I wouldn't have done it, but I, I understand it. I understand why people go down this path. Uh, and it's just, 
I don't know, man. Is the system reformable or is it just going to burn down? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, no, look, any system is reformable. The point is whether the people that are currently able to manipulate and control that system are able to are willing to let that happen sure. over the process of however long, maybe from the moment this country began, there's been levers put in place to stop the actual, you know, like the idea of checks and balances is such a facade, right? The checks and balances are on us. Our ability to actually change things. Oh, oh you're going to vote this way. So here, we'll make sure that to gerrymandering or, you know, whatever the little things within that. And that's, that is if you actually believe that they let us vote anyway. I mean, come on. Like, I think it's such a childish fairy tale. It's Santa Claus for adults to pretend that these powerful people that just did everything we're talking about would actually leave it up to chance. Like we just spent 30 years planning this massive agenda, but let's let them vote on it. Let's see if it works. Come right. on. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't pretend that there's not some level of some, you know, but, but we know that they have built, I mean, I point to things like Clint Curtis testifying in front of, uh, was, was state Congress saying I was paid to manipulate these machines. This was elections ago. I forget. It was at least decades. I forget. Uh, do you remember what Clint Curtis, I, I could look it up real quick, but it doesn't I, matter. He no, it's okay. I, I remember the name. Yeah. He, he, he testified and they asked him point blank and he laid it all out. I was paid to do this. I was paid. He, he testified how it could be switched. He could change things. Nobody would ever know. They used those same machines the next election. You know, and so, and this is all doc. It's evidence I've, I've pointed out many times. You know, yeah. we have to see that this is not the way it's supposed to go. That they well, will always stop it from changing. I, I always tell people like, I don't know the truth, but I'll tell you this much: if you have a government that is responsible for distributing ten to twenty trillion dollars annually, and you think there isn't going to be the most corrupt shit you've ever seen in your life to try and get their hands on those assets and that power, uh, power structure, you're out of your mind. I mean, obviously, if I had the ability to get in there and be able to distribute those funds to, you know, obviously, I think I would do it better, but who doesn't, right? Um, I think I would distribute it to a bunch of liberty-oriented uh, type of enterprises and the Mises Institute, <laughs> the Libertarian Party, whatever. Uh, so it's like, like, or give yeah. it all back to the people who deserve well, it. Well, <laughs> yes. I mean, obviously, if, if I could, if I could just use it to dismantle the system, I'd do right. that first and foremost. But it's like, it's like, of course, of course, there's immense corruption. You have a government of this magnitude. It's inevitable. You have to have a small government if you're going to have any chance at, at diminishing corruption. And it's basically inversely correlated. The bigger it gets there, or not inversely, directly correlated. The bigger the government gets and the budget gets, the more corruption. I mean, is, right. it seems right. that simple to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and to take it back to your point about January 6th, you know, is I think this is why they're so terrified. I mean, it's been, a, there's been a shifting of consciousness for a long time now. And I think whether that's planetary aligned or, or just, you know, whatever the reason is that people have become, you know, been seeing through it for a while. And I think things like January 6th are ob obviously set up to create the justification to stop any kind of movement or gathering or, you know, like even to the point of saying whether we support it or not, like I support entirely what that, that people have the right to go out and protest and petition their government. Now, do I support the fact that people within that that were there did something that was breaking the law? No. Do I, do I understand that they may have felt justified for doing it? Absolutely. Yeah, but right. the end of the day is, just because people did that there does not immediately mean that everybody involved was part of some coordinated plan. The FBI has themselves stated more than once there's no coordination here. They've proven that. There's no organization other than, by the way, the other side of it, where we can see multiple people on these groups or leading these militia groups or people that were involved with psychological operations or so on and so on and so on. You know, So it's it's really insulting that we have to play walk this knife's edge to be like, well, I'm not supporting insurrection, but I do. It's just like for crying out loud, it, we can't even, and that, but that's how this becomes. 
And that's and that is when you're still hooked into that two-party paradigm. Because I truly believe that most people hear the discussion or see Kamala Harris stupidly compare Pearl Harbor or 9-11 to what happened there and just go, really? Like, that's just silly. But, you know, that seems to be where the winds are blowing. And they just kind of back away, you know, because they're not they're not on the aggressive two-party paradigm sides. You know, yeah. it's it's pathetic. And even well, pretending it, even five people died there is a joke. I'll I just open say that. That's pathetic. Yeah, it is. And I, I just think it's it's remarkable that we're considered the fringe and the radicals and the dangerous people, given that you have the vice president of the United States describing a day where one woman was murdered and that's it as anything comparable or similar in the same ballpark a fucking 9-11 like un- this isn't even ancient history you can't this is not talking about the civil war this isn't talking about something from thousands of years ago this is fucking in the middle of my lifetime like i watched it on tv as an adult that's how fucking recent it was and and it's just it's just galling. I don't I can't believe the nerve of these people to even make these comparisons. What how how do they get away with it? Yeah, it's I mean it's it's insulting to the people that they pretend they care. I mean, what about all the people that died in 9-11? What about all of the course. and then insulting these people to to compare what happened there to what you're I mean, it's the I I think the only reason this is allowed is because of the media apparatus, because of the two-party paradigm. And again, this is the illusion. If we, if that massive grouping of let's just call it 70% of people that are swayed back and forth were made aware that they were the majority, the whole thing would fall apart. They're convinced the, the average person in that majority watches the news and they're told that this is the majority. They all think this way. And if you think otherwise, then you're a bad person. And so they just go, okay, well, that's crazy. And they just, they, but they, they actually think that they're not part of it. So they, they stay quiet, right? The conversation comes up outside and they, they don't talk about it because they yeah, think they they're crazy. Even though somebody's agreeing with them, you know? So that other guy, like you, us, let's say out there preaching on the street, we think that nobody's on our side because they're all keeping quiet. But I argue right. most of them sitting there listening are going like, yeah, I kind of agree with this guy, but I don't want to be one of those guys called crazy, you know, and they, they keep it inside. You know, that, yeah. that's my thought. But overall, it is obviously dishonest. I mean, there is no rational person that can look at this, even if five people did die, which which is not even true. I mean, the, the, right. none of this happened on site except for Ashley. Right. And so the point being that you can't pretend that it's the same. The death count's obviously ridiculous. There was no <laughs> real violent clashes other than in regard to the, the fencing and the different locations where that happened. And then you could argue that those people that did this could be held legally accountable, right? If you wanted to get into that conversation, sure. you know, so it just becomes ridiculous. It becomes an asinine conversation where people politically side with what they think they're supposed to. And that's how all of this goes, COVID, anything else. It's, it's been reduced down to childish sides like we're in kindergarten. Yeah, what, what I find remarkable about it though is that 9-11 in particular was that talking point from the mainstream media to get us into multiple wars that were unjustified. And, and they, they, I mean, even though nine 11 was legitimately terrible, they still overplayed it. And they, they, they drove it home that it was the worst thing that could ever happen that had ever happened in American history. And, and it was very, very bad. So it wasn't that much of a stretch, but then to the same people from the same talking heads to now pivot and say, no, you remember that thing that we told you about that ended up allowing us to go kill a million brown people overseas? Yeah, well, actually, us having our deaths stepped on and farted on by a bunch of <laughs> MAGA people was worse than that. I, it, I just don't know how people, I don't know how they can even sell it to the blue pill. Like, even the blue pill have to be going, this seems a little fucking crazy. 
and that's my point. That's why I think they're they're playing their car, hand a little bit too hard. And I think I think this speaks to what a lot of us have been picking up on is that this feels like an end game of some sort. Like they right. have been driving in in a very clumsy, rapid fashion more than I've ever seen in my in my doing this this whole project. I mean, it's so Me clumsy, so obvious. And they're like, now I, I genuinely think January 6th was supposed to be something that didn't pan out for a million different reasons. And ding, that's ding, why ding. They, just, they just double down on it and go, well, screw it. You know, let's, we already have this very focused and aggressive minority of people that are agreeing with us. Let's point at that, like the majority, let's act like it makes sense and, you know, use the mass psychosis that we've already created. I mean, it's not hard to see how this is happening and it's sort of going forward. I just think if, if people step up a little bit more, we this is obviously being pulled back right now. The narrative is falling apart. You know, oh, I guess masks don't work. Give them that one quick. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> my, my buddy, uh, I'm forgetting his name right now, but he tweeted out yesterday. He's like, he's like, yeah, it only took them two years to realize what anybody who picked up a cloth mask at any point in their entire lives knew right away. I or mean, red side you, of the box, right? Yeah, yeah, or red side of the box. But I'm just saying, if you just look at the thing, like you didn't have to be a scientist to go like, this doesn't seem very protective. I don't know, yeah. call me crazy. Uh, right. But yeah, the, the, the January, I'm so glad you brought that up about the January 6th thing because that that to me is, it's so, it's so tra I mean, it's not transparent, but it's, it's very, very probable that what was intended to happen on that day, they fell far short of because- the the and but it, they didn't re they didn't reform their narrative on it. They just ran with the narrative as if that dude who dropped off those those uh, those packages the day prior um, had those things actually gone off and had actually done some real damage. I, right. I don't know. I think I that's my that's my thesis is like that's what they were trying to do. Makes that sense. fell apart because they're fucking the government. They, they suck at everything they do. And then they were just like, you know what? Fuck it. One person died. We'll say five died, and we'll just we'll just run with the entire sure. narrative. You can see how their mind might be like, well, okay, there's a lot of other things going on. I, I think they their biggest mistake is they always, always underestimate the American people, always. And so Thank here, they're going, okay, wait a minute, uh, COVID's going on, people are scared, you know, there's a million different things happening all over the place, you know, so we're going like, okay, well, I mean, I guess at that point that hadn't really really fleshed out but the narrative was already i mean this is the interesting part is if you actually dig into this stuff you can find out that this stuff was being discussed under the table long before we were told about it right so anyway the point is they're they're seeing these things coming at the same time frame and going okay i bet you this will get buried and so on this is just my my hype my thoughts my theorizing right and they go okay well one person got shot all these people broke in to the capitol like we could easily use that and frame this as long as they if they had enough people on their side they could have made that work Right. The problem is that I don't think they had the control they thought they would get. I truly do believe that Trump, whether he really he's one of the people we were talking about. I, I, I'm not sold on whether I think he was willfully part of it or not, but I definitely think Trump was put in that position to create or rather to pacify the militias and all the different people that would push back most during all of this. Yep. But I don't think they got the effect they wanted. And so they just didn't pan out. People were pushing back against it. I think they had people from within that stopped what they were doing, because like Whitney Webb will always point to the fact that even within their agenda, both vying for the same general direction, they have different paths they want to take. You know, there's more of the technological, there's different agendas. And so I think that even might've mixed things up. But, you know, again, we're all guessing, but I'm with you. I think that this thing fell apart in front of us and they just doubled down on the narrative and it's pretty yeah. embarrassing. Well, I, since you brought up the fact that the narrative seems to be breaking down, that what they, what they have been pushing for, it's getting to be so outrageous that even the blue-pilled folks are starting to wake up to it. 
how do you think, and this is obviously just guessing, so I'm not going to hold you to it, but how do you think this plays out? I mean, are, are they, are they fully going to back off? Because as of now, especially in blue cities, they've only doubled down and they've started to reinstill essentially, you know, pretty severe lockdowns and, and the Vax pass and everything else. Like what, what is the game plan here? It seems very uh, disjointed. It's just, it's so hard to predict because I think at this point, there's only like, I think probably three different directions. I mean, one is that essentially that, you know, we effectively stop this, you know, effectively the, the, the enough pushback, enough media, enough, enough information shared that we officially do it. And it feels like that might even slightly be happening a little bit where they're rolling back and pulling back. But in that regard, we, ne- we must know, not think, hope, but know, as a matter of fact, they will come back from a different direction as they always do, as they create something else or a climate change or another psyop, another shooting or whatever, it'll, you know, another virus. And oh my God, now it all makes sense. They'll try to drive this back in again. And we know that will happen. So yeah. that's what we have to be on guard, on guard for. Another possibility would be that they just, this is the end game and this is the, ne- this is the worst possible scenario. And this is the cornered animal that knows that we're about to lose control we can't just give up because this is everything's on the line. So th- that equals to more violence, more yeah. releasing, more whatever it needs to be to the, po- the point that we, we think they'll never go that far. They will go that far if it yeah. needs to be done. And right, that's where I think that could go. And I, I don't think that feels like what's happening. I think that because the reason, even if it made sense in the sense that they're losing the whole push, I don't think they can, I mean, they need the people to be at least in some regard complying. Right. So if, I think that if they just openly came out with this and took violent action and just suppressed people violently, I think they would full on lose control of everything. And I don't think they're prepared for that just yet. I think they know they can pull back and come back again in a month or take another drastic action somewhere else. I think they know that. So I think that makes the most sense. But I don't think we should ignore the fact that we are having a difference on what's happening. That is beyond a shadow of a doubt. What you are oh, yeah. doing out there watching Liberty Lockdown, watching Daily Wrap-Up, you know, sharing information, you have effectively changed people's minds. And that is exactly why we are being attacked and censored and focused on, because as always, if we weren't reaching people, they wouldn't care what we were saying. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're totally right, too, is that the... Uh... Another example of limited hangout would be the cloth mask disclosure that right. <clears throat> this week that, oh, no, yeah, you know, two years of us ruining your fucking lives and making your kids wear these in school and completely traumatizing them. Yeah, it didn't. It was, there was no point. Like, there was no point in all that. Illness. But, That's the point that people keep skipping over is like, we need to make sure we're clear on the fact that we've known this whole time. They don't have the effect they say they do. They've always known that. The data's been there. But on top of that, the only random control trial on cloth masks from 2015 from the British Medical Journal said it very clearly. And I've been screaming about this from day one. The moisture retention and the the reuse of these, it increases your risk of infection. You're literally giving people something that increases the risk of the thing you're claiming. It stops them from getting. It's just, it blows me away. No, no, you're totally right. That was a good, good addition to make. Uh, I was just making the more broad point that that it, this is kind of an example of when the narrative is collapsing. They they use limited hangout to say, totally. you you know what, you conspiracy theorists, you were right about that. You were right about that all along. But stop questioning the vax passes. That that because I think that's the thing they really care about. They don't care about the mass. That was all a control mechanism to get us on board with doing whatever the fuck they said. But what they really want is actual tracking power and and real compliance and obviously your your allegiance uh, physically. And there's nothing more, uh, uh, nothing a bigger sign of allegiance than put, injecting yourself with something to show that you are part of the the movement. You know, it's like wow, that is 
that is next level. Do you think that, uh, well, actually, I, I probably should avoid this topic because it, it'll get new. It, you know what? Oh, Fuck yeah. it. We're, I totally forgot we were on. I'm sorry. I wasn't even. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know what? Fuck it. This will be the first episode on Rumble exclusively. I'm not going to I'm not going to even mess with YouTube on this one. I'll just ask you directly. Um, do you think that the there besides, you know, credit score systems, is there I, I know that you were talking about the the nanotechnology, the microchip stuff. Um, do you think that that's is that real? Like, is that a real thing? Which part of it? Yes, but all of it is very real and very clearly been researched for decades. But which was specifically talking about like, the microchip? Like, do you think do you think that the covid vaccine already has something uh, inside of it? I, I mean, it would be I'd be guessing. I, okay. I mean, if we're being logical about it. I keep pointing to some, <clears throat> my point is they keep bringing up this microchip discussion. And by the way, we've been talking about this from long before COVID ever started. And it was even contentious back then. And now COVID's the conversation. And then for the first whole, for the first the end of 2020, my focus was basically look at this past bioweapon discussion. Look, you know, what have they been doing? Look at the microchip discussion. Look at DARPA. Whitney and I were heavily into that topic and we were censored on every single account. <laughs> These invalid points, like here's DARPA's literal page where they're discussing microchips and vaccines, censored, right? Not right. that it was happening, but it was like, oh, we could do this and we can monitor, it's for health and we can monitor their health from the inside their body. Klaus Schwab has spoken about that on 11 different interviews about that's the future in wearables, implantables, nanotechnology. Boris Johnson has a discussion about how nano robots inside your body will, pro will progress health in 2020. And we're being censored for even using the term microchip. It's amazing. But then yeah. all of a sudden, a month ago, all of a sudden we are, look, Jimmy Dore is talking about microchips and it's everywhere. And it's like, well, that's interesting. Another yeah. example of someone I think that regularly gets used in a way that doesn't realize it's happening. I, and that's just my opinion. I think he does good sure. work, but it, 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 it's, it's not censored up until that point. And then they're going, look, microchips, the very term they say is fake news. And then they're going, look at this gigantic football size thing you put, I'm being facetious, but it's yeah. a rice, like a rice size. And then I'm going for crying out loud. And I point to 2004, the Mew chip. 2004, they were making a thing that was a 30th of the size of a grain of salt. In 2004, they has an RFID chip, has a transmitter, a receiver that runs on your body's energy. It's literal smart dust. That was in 2004. And it's gotten way smaller since then. I keep playing this. So yeah. my point is, is it possible? 100%. And it makes me <laughs> even more concerned that they're going, look at this big new thing, breaking technology. And I'm going, yeah, it's and it, for the exact same purpose that they have the thing that can do that. So why would they be doing this big chip when the Mew chip has all this extra stuff that they're claiming this one doesn't have? Oh, it won't right. track you, it won't do this. So it makes me very concerned there. Then you point to the research that they have where they're literally discussing Johns Hopkins and others about, okay, here's an, here's why we should put these things in injections and use them. Not like we're going to, here's the security issues, but we're going to discuss this for the next 10 years. So I think it's a valid reason that a valid concern to think, did they blow this into the air, climate change, geoengineering? Why wouldn't they? But I have no evidence to point that that's something that would happen, but you know, look, look at things like Operation Sea Spray, when they literally sprayed biological agents over San Francisco to test whether we were susceptible to biological agents. Gee, I wonder whether that happened. And some people died. You know, this, I forget what year that was. If you, people can look that up though, directly. And it's, I think this is something that's probably already well, happened. Per perfect example is, you know, people going, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. If you think Bill Gates is involved in this stuff in some sort of nefarious manner, he's a, he's a philanthropist, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's like the primary reason that we even have, uh, oh fuck, I'm forgetting the name of the disease. Uh, the, 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 re the, like almost all of the polio outbreaks over the past 20 years have been a product of his vaccination campaigns. It's like, 
It's like, that's just a fact. That's a yep. fact. So sorry if, if his track record makes me a little fucking skeptical, but it's pretty transparent that this guy has done some really, really dirty shit. And, you know, whether or not it was intentional, that's just the facts. That's what happened. I compare him to, to Imperial College of London, uh, Neil Ferguson kind of thing. It's the same thing. These people, it, it's like they catastrophically err in the ways that work for the government over and over and over and they keep getting the job. And it's like, well, why then? Maybe because that's what they're being paid for. You know, look at, look, he also, the, the main two points that come to mind, there's a lot more than just two are what you discussed and look at genetically modified foods. That was a catastrophic failure. And they just stopped talking about it. The food supply is more scarce than it was before they ran that out. And now you got all of India pushing back against it because you basically hurt people. Yeah. And so why, and so yet we're still doing it. They're still making genetically modified hamburger meat and, you know, and he's buying up all the farmland. It's like, well, it, this is crazy. Then to the point to polio, that is such an important topic. I'm reading a book right now called Emerging Viruses that I recommend, for, written by Harowitz. I recommend everybody read that. It's such an important book from a while ago in the 90s. And it discusses the concept of these and, and how it's a very, very valid point that people don't want to discuss, that it's, or at least that we should be questioning. And I think it's likely that the whole idea or the whole concept of AIDS itself came from viruses that were either intentionally or accidentally through malfeasance left inside of these injections they were testing on people and then maybe just capitalized and used after they realized what they've created. But on top of that, I think it was SV40 was, was a, a virus that was found, <clears throat> excuse me, in the polio vaccines that was accidentally in there. Instead of doing something about it, they just shifted over to the, the uh, oral ones because they realized that, oh, well, the digestive system does away, it, it deals with that. So, mm -hmm. so instead of fixing the problem, they just sh shifted. And the argument is that was potentially the impetus for where immunocompromised disorders even came from, the, the explosion of them that wow. we saw. I mean, this is, these are things that doctors and PhDs are going like this. Actually, the very foreword of the book is written by a PhD that makes that very argument. You know, that's that's astonishing. And and, you know, the the similarities too, the fact that, you know, the the covid outbreak and the leak or, or intentional that whole debate. Uh, what you know, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, there's I don't have any doubt that it wasn't just purely a natural phenomenon, um, you know, and then the fact that it, it the backbone of it, it looks extraordinarily similar to HIV. And it's like, it like all of this looks as if it, it, it aligns in a, in a way that, you know, whether or not it points to exactly, you know, a crystal clear picture in your mind as to what transpired. If you're not questioning it, I just think you're fucking delusional. Like this, this is, right. this is very, very bizarre coincidences at a minimum <laughs> that you have to be like, oh, every time we've had a, a an immense uh, increase in state power and, and a bunch of people got sick and died, it, it looks as if government research or government funded research was involved like yeah well i mean you, then you got people like luke montagnier and other very highly credentialed experts that are pointing these things out and it just gets continually dismissed or disregarded and then they become conspiracy theorists it's like i love the, the idea that a doctor can have an entire career of, of credentials and praising and rewards and whatever else and then they say the wrong thing once during COVID 19 and their entire career has been debunked yeah it's like, and that's what we're actually hearing. Oh, so their entire life has been debunked. So nothing they've ever said has been correct. Well, that's not true because you're literally still using this technology right now to run this whole program. So how yeah. is he debunked exactly? You know, yeah, I, Malone, I, Malone and I, McCullough both had, had that treatment. And then like, those are, those are legit doctors. Like those, those guys wow. have done amazing work. Highly credentialed. I, I greatly apologize. I made a huge mistake. Unprofessional. I did not plug my computer in. Keep, please keep talking. It's going to die. I'll give me 10 seconds. I'll be right oh. back. I'm so sorry, Clint. Oh, no worries. <laughs> I don't know if you can still hear me, but I'm going to just keep talking. 
there, the other topic that I wanted to discuss was BlackRock and the CEO of BlackRock, which is Larry Fink. Can can yes. you hear me? Okay, yes, you can. Yes. Perfect. Uh, yeah, we've only got a little time left, so I just wanted to make sure we keep it rolling. Uh, so Larry Fink is the CEO of BlackRock, and he has been responsible for implementing kind of the the Green New Deal uh, in the Fortune 500 companies, uh, and not just Fortune 500, but you know globally because they BlackRock is is uh, I think they have 10 trillion under under management, which is fucking enormous. And I was fortunate enough to have a, a local supporter on my stream last night that forwarded me an article that was uh, an immense deep dive into into how this all came about. And essentially what's happening in my in my estimation, and I don't know if you've researched this much, but it seems as if the kind of the, the woke movement, the critical race theory, that all of the things that I despise more than anything um, are being implemented on a fascistic business level via, uh, I'm, do you remember the term? I, I can't remember the term right now. It's, uh, there's some acronym for it, but it's, it's basically the, the protocols that they use when they decide whether or not they're going to invest in the business. It's like checking out whether or not they're, they're green enough or they're woke enough or they're progressive enough. Uh, anyways, have you, have you looked into that at all? In BlackRock specifically? Yeah. I mean, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, exactly. Well, but more broadly, but yes, BlackRock is, is the specific example I'm bringing up because they're the big boys that yeah. seem to really be pushing the ball down the field. Yeah, no, that I know I agree. And I, I would argue that I think BlackRock is the, like, I think you're saying the primary focal point of this. I, I actually had a great interview with Catherine Austin Fitz recently about that amongst other things, but it was really clear. That this is something I picked up on as I think you and plenty of others did in regard to the bailout plan that turned out that BlackRock essentially bailed, basically bought out the Fed, right, or the, rather the Treasury, right, of the United States government, mm -hmm. right? They're completely in control of a finance of this country, if you really understand how this is working, and realized that their bailout plan was written before COVID-19. Now, this is something we need to realize for multiple reasons, that obviously, I think, and this is why people speak to the financial side of what happened here, as, Kat, as Catherine Austin Fitz would argue, is the, the primary focal point of all this, the money and the passport situ situation, but that they basically knew this was going to happen. And I think a lot of experts, I mean, look, all the leading economists were saying this for a while before this all started, like this, we're going to have another 2008. It's going to happen, just a matter of when. And so they all go, okay, well, we just, and for all of us, I'm sure I know you know, but for all the people that don't know, 2008 was obviously corrupt, obviously something that happened where they just fought, you know, huge transfer of wealth to the, very, the richest among us. And then instead of doing everything to stop it, they literally quadrupled time. You know, they, most of these metrics that led to 2008 were 10 times worse than they were right afterward and all the way up until now, right? That they got way worse. Nobody tried to stop it. So the point is they didn't even try to stop from happening again. They built it up again and then COVID, right? So I think the idea is that they did this to hide that again and transfer that and then even transfer more wealth under the guise of covid again and so blackrock wrote this out knowing that this would, would the system was going to collapse and then they used covid19 to justify why they wrote that the, why they used this and that i mean that's not just dishonest i mean they're pretending that covid justified the plan they planned this before it happened so that should call into question whether covid itself was part of that plan you know what I mean? And that's the biggest alarming part to me is that we essentially just sold out the entire country to a massive equity company that has obvious ties to the Israeli government. You know what I mean? And, and this is, this is, I mean, there's a lot of angles to this, but overall, I think it just pretty clearly shows you that we are being lied to about where all this is going and why it's happening. Yeah. Well, you, that was a, a great analysis of it. I, and of course I agree. I mean, 
uh, for those that don't know, I was a private money mortgage broker. So I was actually in the field when the real estate collapse was happening. And it was, it was, uh, yeah, especially given my background with Austrian economics, I understood exactly what was happening. I was telling people to get out of the real estate market in 0506. So it's like, yeah, I knew. And, and, uh, I think that we are, we're witnessing it again. And I think you're right that they, they saw this debt super cycle coming to an end and they're like, well, we got we to gotta pump this one more time and we now have our out on how to do it. And we're going to find a way to do it better than what transpired in 08 or 09. And, and they uh, used Trump in that regard. I think that's yes. one of the other reasons why they wanted him there because remember, there were a lot of people who said this, Trump supporters as well, right in the beginning. They were like, look guys, like I think they put him here to be able to lay this at his feet. And look at that. Look at what happened. Remember that? They said, we're going to collapse the economy and lay it at his feet. Well, it turns out it wasn't just the economy, right? And they uh, did very clearly blame Trump for everything that happened. I mean, we got to start paying attention to this, especially those that still think Trump is, well, I, again, I don't know whether he is somebody who is on your side or not. I'm open to both sides of that, but I definitely think we need to acknowledge that he was played in how that oh, went down. Remember uh, that even WikiLeaks told us that uh, Cl Clinton's emails said that they, want, they made sure he was on that final stage, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, and- and whether or not the, he was part of it, it doesn't really matter because right, what, exactly. what happened during his presidency, he was, he was basically defanged in a way. If you assume that he was actually trying to stop this, he was defanged in a way that he was basically allowed to be the fall guy while everything that they wanted to happen still happened. And right. uh, I think there's a really comp compelling argument to be made that that's the case. And, and I think that any even Trump supporters are kind of waking up to that, especially the Trump supporters that have been in prison without trial for the past you know, nine months. Uh, so here's some of the most con I mean, I, I hate to broad brush any group, but I would argue that most of the people that support Donald Trump and maybe were tricked into that by people that, you know, that they thought you know, even the Trump himself thought that he was going to fight for them, you know, <clears throat> that they're some of the most obviously, you know, some of the most patriotic, the people that believe in the constitution that believe, you know, and they've just been led astray, you know? So yeah. it's not to say that these people are wrong or bad. It's, it's, they, this is the same point that I think Caitlin Johnstone makes all the time, whatever side you're looking at this from, they know that we want good things. They know we want freedom and liberty. And that we know, they know we want good things for people around the world, that we don't want to murder people. And so the point is they lie to us. We are that we want liberty too. Here's constitution. You know, they, they don't actually think in, or care about those things. Things, you know, so it, that, that shows you that they want the bad stuff. We right. don't. So we need to realize that they trick us in to make justifying why those bad things are for good things. Yep. And then and then when you realize that you do have the moral high ground, speak like you have the moral high ground. Stop hiding from your your actual opinions. Uh, this has been a great conversation, Ryan. I, I really appreciate your time. Everybody go over to Rumble. Subscribe to the Last American Vagabond. Please tell everybody where they can follow you. Uh, TheLastAmericanVagabond.com is the best place to go. As I always say, don't let the platforms be the conduit between you and our work, right? Good point. Good point. Sorry. I, I, I was watching you on Rumble, but go to the website instead. Oh, well, but anywhere is fine. I mean, I, I personally, you know, I, I Rumble for me is, is another potential problem. I mean, it's definitely a good platform with reach, but it has all the same ties. It's just another YouTube 2.0, you know, but I, I put my work anywhere, everywhere. Getter came up and I made an account, you know, it's like, I, right. but I'm very aware that that's a problematic location. <laughs> but, you know, the point is that they're tracking you in general. Do your best to stop that. Anonymous browsers, VPNs, and so on. Yeah. But the more work you can get in front of more people, the better. You know, so go to thelastamericanvagabond.com, but check us out on places like Odyssey, BitChute, SuperU, Rockfin, those kind of things. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time. This was one of my favorite conversations. So thank you again. Thanks for having me. Boy, was that a mind blower or what? 
Brian Christian of The Last American Vagabond brings the truth bombs all day, every day. I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you guys learned a lot. I did. I always do. That's what I love about doing this show. And if you love listening to this show, go to libertylockdown.locals.com and become a supporting member so that I can help grow it. Because that's all I'm doing is funneling every dollar that you send me into marketing and producing and making the show bigger so that we can reach more people. And I'm doing it because I am a true believer. <laughs> I really think that we need to get this message to more people. And I'm thrilled that so many people are tuning in now. We, we just surpassed a half a million downloads. My God, I really appreciate it. It's, it's better than I could have ever dreamt of. And it's all because of you guys. It's because of word of mouth. It's because you share it and, and you talk about it with your friends and family. And that just means the world to me. I can't even believe that you do it, but I really, really appreciate that you do. It is absolutely making a difference. And I can't believe how many people are reaching out to me uh, with you know positive stories about how it has kept them sane or, or allowed them to you know get on a better path and to kind of spit out that black pill and be more optimistic. And that, that means the world to me because you guys have done the same for me. So I just wanted to say thank you real quick. Also, if you want to pick up any shirts for the show, go to toplobster.com. And last but not least, if you are feeling a little pudgy after the holidays, go to sideshaper.com and pick up one of those gyroscopic ab machines that are actually kicking my ass currently. And that thing is unbelievable. If you use code Liberty at checkout, you will get $50 off. It's not the most expensive machinery in the world. It's really well built, well built. And I think that you will uh, be blown away by the results that you get from using it. So go to sideshaper.com and pick one up using the code Liberty. Last but not least, we got some five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts that I got to read off because I love to support the people that support the show. That's what I do here. Josh Elliott says, great show. Been really digging this content. Five stars. Thank you so much, Josh. And we got Herrick the Beast says, cut off the extreme edges. The Democrat Party and the Republican Party have long ignored the citizenry. Voices and platforms like this are necessary in a time like this. People need to see that you don't have to accept all or nothing. People and issues are nuanced. Thank you. I appreciate that. They are. Thank you for providing a space for discourse and ideas to flow. That's, that's all I'm about, man. I like to have people tell the truth, and I like to give them a platform to do it. So thank you for tuning in, Herrick. And then we got Truth Be Told 22 says, Thanks, Clint. Another great voice for Liberty. Clint is a great host. You should check out the Corbett Report and Grand Theft World to fill in some knowledge gaps. The going, uh, the going direct reset is the end of Liberty. Well, I appreciate that. I, I will absolutely check those out. I am familiar with the Corbett Report, but uh, Grand Theft World's new to me, so I will check that out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will be back next week, or actually in a couple days, with another banger episode. Stay tuned. Actually, you know what? I'm feeling I'm feeling gratuitous today. I'm gonna throw on the special live episode I did in Sayalita, Sayalita, Mexico. It was an amazing event. It's called Sayalita Super Spreader. Uh, had a bunch of the Liberty Podcast guys there, and I was fortunate enough to have as my guest. The great Antony Samaroff. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to a live edition of Liberty Lockdown. This is also my first time recording live, so this is going to be awkward. I do talk to more people uh, than are in this room, but to see your faces is like having the chat room live, and I don't know if I like it. So go ahead and sh shout racial slurs if I say anything inappropriate, just to make me feel as if I'm still on YouTube. That'd be great. Uh, today we have the, the legend, the man who has argued both for and against UBI, Preferably completely against. I'll talk to him about that. Anthony Samaroff, 
of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. Where is he? Oh, there he comes. <laughs> Quite the showman. I'm ready to go. All right. I'm ready to go. Well, yeah, let's do it, Sayulita. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. Welcome aboard. Thank you. I didn't know we were on a ship. <laughs> Where are we sailing to? Stop with the dead jokes. The All ship right. is. St- I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't help it. Give me. Give me a five minute. Link to the audience. Give me a five minute convincing argument that I should consider UBI as anything other than a terrible socialist idea. Well, the most convincing arguments in favor of it are that. You, it could reduce the bureaucracy of the existing system that's got a whole bunch of different um, s- benefits and things like that if we just like consolidated them all and people just got a check in the mail and then you could fire a bunch of public sector workers, which is always great. Um, if that could actually ever happen, ever. But I don't think they could actually muster the political world well. They're, they're all unionized and stuff to fire anyone, so they probably just find them some other useless jobs. The, so that's, that's one of the things. The other thing is uh, less, less, less waste on bureaucracy, a direct payment. Um, yeah, I said there's two things, but... It's okay, I, I don't want you to make a good argument for you UBI, so this well, is perfect. <laughs> They're, they're kind of, there's a bunch of superficially plausible stuff about, oh, you know, if people are less stressed, then they can just follow their dreams and uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> it sounds like arguments for socialism, does it not? Uh, uh, as, uh, <laughs> the, the thing is, the idea is that the, the current system, the, 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 other, the, other I, the other idea is that the current system creates a bunch of welfare cliffs and poverty traps where if someone earns more money, takes on more hours at work, their actual take-home pay is less because they lose their benefits. So people will deliberately stay underemployed rather than take on more work. And the other more convincing or least unconvincing of the arguments in favor of the UBI is that it would do away with welfare cliffs. If you're guaranteed this payment no matter what, that means whenever you take on more hours, you're always earning more money when you decide to contribute more labor to society. So I would say those are the two best arguments in favor of UBI, and you can judge whether there's any merit to them. I think the latter one is the one that I find (laughs) most convincing, um, especially with the advent of, of AI and the fact that it's highly probable we will have more free time moving forward if we have technological innovation that makes um, access to goods commonplace. Is that, is that your belief system? Are you an AI true believer that we're going to have? Well, I think what you're going to have is a lot of jobs created where humans work with AI because there's this idea that, they have, that people have that, in, that eventually introducing any human element is always going to be create error with AI, cause, but there's, that's not an evidence so far, because yeah, an AI chess computer can, some, can beat humans, but the best is a combination of a human working with an AI and a chess, and, and they've, they've so far been unable to surpass a human working with, a, with an AI, mm-hmm. like get an AI that's better than just a human with an AI. So 
if you look at something like the production line, okay, everyone's... Uh, th th there's this idea that with the introduction of AI, um, you're going to have to be very skillful, and some people are just too dumb to get that skillful. But usually what we do is we create machines to create, to allow people who are not very skillful or intelligent or talented do things that you used to need talented people to do like make a car from scratch, right? You need to be really talented to do that, but you don't need to be talented to play a part in a production line. Right. So I think similarly, it's an overrated, it's an overrated argument. Oh, well, I mean, if every, all the jobs are gonna be highly technical once they introduce AI, that might not be the case at all. It might be that working with an AI allows people to do tons of stuff that they couldn't do on their own. Um, so it could create, I don't know how many, I mean, I, the, the, the thing is, it's, it's inconceivable the kind of work that people could do in the future because no one knew that there would be such a job as a microchip manufacturer. How, how would you even know that that would exist? Of course, yeah. You know, there's, the, we created jobs that no one could forecast and we're probably going to do that again. Like, whether we're going to get a lot more leisure time i'd like to think that is true we're the work week has shortened a little bit over the last two decades you know an hour or two mm -hmm. on average but a lot of it's been stopped by <coughs> status policies that increase the price of accommodation increase increase the prices goods and services inflation um well i mean I, not, I don't just mean inflation because that strongly implies that it's caused by print by increasing the money supply, which it, it has, but it's not only been caused by that. There's all sorts of um, regulations and bureaucratic things, and um, you know, banning imports from poor countries, um, sure, yeah. <coughs> restrictions on markets, basically that artificially increase the price of everything. And I talk about that quite a bit in the book as well how government actually makes it more expensive to just live. Um, also, I mean, people have, people like a lot more stuff now than they used to. Um, one, one thing you hear is that, oh, living standards of, um, wages have stagnated. And it's true that wages have stagnated compared to what they would be on a free market. Like, if it was a free market, people would have much higher wages, but it's not, those fact, those statements are pretty misleading because people get way more um, benefits along with work that are not included in their paycheck now than they did in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And that makes part of their wages. And um, obviously, I mean, if you just look like a... Before this COVID bullshit and the increase in prices in the store, if, if you look, if you came compared to basket of good, I mean, you know, a couple of hundred, the equivalent of a couple of hundred dollars, you're going to get stuff that you couldn't even get before, like a laptop, computer, and things like that. True. Um, but people's houses are way, way bigger on average now than they were in the 50s and 60s. So it really do, it depends. It depends on people's tastes. It depends if we're actually allowed to just have a normal freaking life. Where, uh, the, the, the length of the work week should go down if the market's allowed to function, but no one's really al ever let it do that so far. Hmm. Do you, um, 
during sexual intercourse, do you yell out quotes from Braveheart? It's <laughs> it, 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 it's um. If if it's not yes, like what's he doing? It's mostly Mises, actually. Uh. <laughs> like, see after, see see after um, sex when a girl says to me, "Was it as good for you as it was for me?" I say, "I'm sorry, I'm an Austrian. I don't do interpersonal comparisons of utility." <laughs> I think I understand why you're not married. <laughs> what? Because I crush. Because I'm not married. Because I crush. Right. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the end of this, I'm going to need you to uh, shout some Mel Gibson stuff. Anyways, uh, so people may not know about you that you also do therapy on the Oh, that, that, oh the, 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 I thought you were going to say that you're Scottish. People might not know that you're from Scotland. Yeah, no, I think they know that. Uh, so yeah. we're, we're actually practicing a form of self-care right now. Oh, right, right that's because true. Because we've all traveled. Some of us more than others. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, to be amongst our Keep people. Keep your hands where I can see them, people. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much self-care. <laughs> I want you to care about yourself, but not that much. <laughs> Just save it for later. Um, so, I would like to get some ideas, because I've, I've, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I've struggled mightily over the past two years with lockdowns. Uh, That's because no one likes you. No. That's mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point, but that aside, um, I've also struggled with being locked in my fucking house for a yeah, year I'm in San Diego, and then uh, having to uproot my life to go and find freedom in an unfree world. Uh, and Good job. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. I'm still working on it. But um, I think that with mental health, it's always a battle, and you're always trying to, to struggle to find a way to to be at peace with yourself, your existence. That's something libertarians don't talk about very often. We don't have much of a spiritual side. At least we don't talk about it because we get, I think we distract ourselves with more of the economic meanderings and things like that, trying to uh, not focus on that internal strife that all that is part of human existence. So anyways, uh, I, I have definitely had a hard time over the past two years. I, I've also had probably the best time in my life over the past two years. So I think that with Tumult comes the opportunity for tremendous personal growth and, mm. and finding a community like this. All of you guys in this room have, you know, I don't want to be too religious or sentimental, but it's kind of saved me in a way. So uh, I'm yeah, curious totally. if, if you feel the same way, if you have any other tips for people as a therapist, other than to go see a therapist, uh, what do you think? Thanks. Uh, tell people how not to commit suicide. <laughs> I think it's important advice. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, this has been... I feel like, you know, in the Lord of the Rings, like, Bilbo Baggins doesn't fucking want to leave the Shire. He's just like, it's nice and comfortable here, and... Uh, but he gets the call to adventure. And, like, I feel like those of us who have decided to, like, not stay where we weren't free... It's like the I I I feel so lucky because I wouldn't have actually got the opportunity to go all over the states, meet you amazing people, meet all the amazing people that I've met, in Mexico, Costa Rica, Turkey, uh, even Austria. But I don't really want to mention that place because they're really like fucking mandatory vaccines now and stuff like mm. that, um, like. So it's been amazing in the sense that I left 
the Scotland and it locked down and I was like, well, you know, I was only meant to be away for eight weeks, but I was like, fuck it, I'm not going back to stare at four walls all winter and the cold. And by the time it opened up again, I'd found stuff to do. I was being invited to speak at events and things like that. I was like, this is pretty cool. I'm still out 14 months later. And like you said, yeah, we found freedom in an unfree world. I think that's anyone who's got the balls to do it. If you can do it, if your job's in anywhere way mobile, like go be, live your principles. Because I've, Things just seem to fall into place in a way that um, is unexplainable. Sometimes I'm like, I don't actually, I've not actually not known what I'm going to be doing next week. But things have worked out so well that I'm actually able to say to myself, don't swear it, don't swear it, just let it ride. And then a couple of days before my time's up, I'm like, something happens. I'm like, oh yeah, now, now I know what I'm doing. It just becomes completely obvious. You, if I don't have enough information yet, I go, well, how long before I need to make a decision? Oh, look, I don't need to make a decision for four weeks. Great, I don't need to think about it. So uh, I would say the most important advice for anyone to say, stay sane or to be happy is you have to have a sense of purpose in life to feel like you're moving towards something that's compelling to you and worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be major. It can be something small, it can be lots of small things, or you can have like a big thing that you're working towards that everything falls into the umbrella on. For me, it's really flexible. Like I love writing and I write when I can, but I'm prioritizing these things because I can only do these things when they appear. So that has to go on the shelf. If I end up home at any point, then writing is going to become the most important thing again. Um, so I think having a f- sense of purpose, and if you don't have something, then you need to try a few things and find out what you like because you can't figure it out. Your mind is just a storage repository for all of the things you've ever experienced in your life it doesn't know anything at all when it comes to things you haven't done so you don't know if you like it or not um i i know like uh, a coach he's amazing um and he he said like he he he'd have these clients like i always know what i need to do i don't sometimes have trouble doing it but i always know what i should be prioritizing but some people don't know what they want to do with their life so that's the first thing he said he had this client that just always thought, oh, yeah, people are meant to know what their purpose is or something like that. And he was like, look, just choose a few things and try them out. And he, so he's like, okay. He decided he'd try some flying lessons. He'd learn to cook and he'd do one other thing. And he was like, yeah, it's like 15 years later and he's a professional cook and he flies planes. And he, do, he, he, like, he just chose three random things and he happened to love them. You might not. Try something else. You need to get past the phase of sucking at something. So you need to give it about like 20, 30 hours at least because you learn the most you'll ever learn of a skill in the first 20 hours. So you need to get past the I suck stage to find out if you like it or not. So, and then if you don't have, you can find someone else who's doing something that you think is really awesome and decide, well, they're not, they're an underrated voice, like what they're doing is good. Maybe I can help them, you know, whatever it is. Get video transcriptions of their podcasts and make them into articles for them or something Looks like anthony's looking for recruits oh yeah i i, I need a whole army of slave labor <laughs> that's why i'm hanging out and uh what trump can designated you imagine having to transcribe him talking like oh uh, yeah impossible i'd have to listen to it no 
um, I, even the even the auto transcribers <laughs> can't decipher. <laughs> it comes out like X Y X X Z Z F. <laughs> the also people think I'm saying se sex when I say sex, and. <laughs> Th those are the same words. The the the. W <laughs> but then when I say. And the, uh, and then the the one I I've stopped saying the word, the other word for poverty. You know the the what's the word for poverty that people use in regular vernacular? Poor. Yeah, no one understands what the fuck I'm saying when I say the word poor. <laughs> poor. I like it. I understand. So get a sense of purpose. The rest is all stuff you know. Get exercise. Eat well. Yeah. Like you get some friends. You freaks. <laughs> 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 Ask for someone's phone. Get number. out of the house. Um, Don't stay at home. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think that that was the one, the one yeah. upside that I didn't expect of lockdowns was um, I had been committed to my career path for ten years straight, and as an entrepreneur, I was locked in. That's all I was really focused on. I still had a social life. I played volleyball and did other things, but having your primary income source uprooted and converted Whoa. against your will to a large extent, uh, well, both. It frees you to pursue something completely new and creative-oriented, uh, but also it lights a fire within you, if you're at, at all like mm. me, that you want to go and take over the world to fucking punish the people that did it to you. I don't know if that's just me, but... <laughs> I've got a question. Okay. How come you've got a pop stopper and I've not? I figured... I don't know. I don't know. My voice pops a lot. See, pop. <laughs> don't do it. Don't, don't do it on purpose. All right, so um, I would like to get your analysis as a professional on the psychology of our rulers. Are they interesting? Are they uh, are they malicious? Are they sometimes, malignant? Yeah. What are they? Sometimes you have to ask. You know, are they just like are they are they ignorant or are they e are they explicitly evil? It looks like sometimes it looks like it's pretty evil. Yeah, I agree. So which is it? It's like Doctor. a it's like a sadomasochistic relationship that they have with the people where they are like the dom, and they're a really abusive dom that doesn't respect safe words. <laughs> that's that's an apt metaphor. Like, like I don't want to get vaccinated means I don't fucking want to get vaccinated. It doesn't mean you get to take away my stuff to railroad me until I finally do get vaccinated. Okay, I'm not taking it up the ass. <laughs> That's that. I told you, yeah. hard limit, hard no. <laughs> well, I've I've flip flip flop back and forth uh, over taking it up the ass. Yeah, I mean, everyone goes to college, Anthony. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I've I've flip flopped as to whether or not they are ignorant. I think, I mean, obviously, I think that there's depends the, on the day, doesn't it? Indeed, and it depends on the politician you're talking about. Like, I anyone that focuses their ire towards the puppet known as Joe Biden, I think is making a terrible mm. mistake. Uh, whereas, and even Anthony Fauci to a large extent, because while he knows what he's doing is wrong, I don't actually think that there's, he's not the one that's like making the decision to be the piece yeah. of shit that he is. Someone chose him because he, they know push the he, he can be relied upon to say and do the right thing. So they manipulate the people they want into the positions that they want. Right. Because they'll say and do the thing. Whoever they is. Yeah, who, who is are, they? Who are they? I don't Anyone? know. Anyone know? I used to be really into conspiracy theories, and then I got into economics, and I was like, 
Well, actually, the world is pretty explainable by economic incentives. Like, this is exactly what I would expect to happen. But this, like, COVID stuff is, like, really ignited my inner David Icke. I like, feel like uh, this is like, uh, it seems like some kind of interdimensional satanic ritual <laughs> that's taking place that has been planned across aeons. <laughs> so how, how do we beat them no, with your therapist background? How is this back to the DS stuff? But they're they're going to get a good flogging. We're going to beat them. <laughs> That, oh, well, okay. they would enjoy that. But I'm saying, how do we actually defeat them? What do you think? I, you know, if I knew, see, the, you know, this like post-libertarian thing that's been coming up, like, I, f I feel like what they're trying to say is, oh, no, there's a better libertarian strategy than the libertarian strategy, and you guys have been fucking ignoring it. And it's like, <laughs> guys, no, that's not what's happening. Like, you've got it wrong. Like, we have been trying all of the strategies all the time, forever. It's just we don't actually have a good strategy, period. Like, there aren't any. The thing is that people, like, we don't know how to change people's minds. Yeah. We've got all these studies that show, you know, when you expose people to evidence, they become more, they, they, they become more trenchant in their views. And what they'd have to do is, like, whatever those people, you know, Young Americans for Liberty, they do campus trainings to teach people how to teach students how to engage on campus and try and talk people around to libertarian positions on campus and the republicans do it and the democrats do it they just need, they just need to exchange uh, they need to put all of the resources into that and run those trainings for everyone in the libertarian mo movement so everyone knows the best approaches for changing people's minds first but since we can't do that at the moment I mean, fucking write a letter to Eric Brakey or something telling him. Um, like, you need, in my opinion, how we beat them is focus on your own life. Make that as wonderful as possible because you don't want to feel impotent in life, like that you're powerless. And when you bash your head against a brick wall, arguing with people on Facebook, you don't feel like you're doing anything. So you need to put put your energy where you're effective find out what your skills are and start helping other people engage in the libertarian community when you meet people let them know what you do what you're good at what you're what's helpful about you because they might know someone that you can help and vice versa build up your network know who does what and link people together and create a robust community because when people leave like republicanism or leftism they're not just leaving a political ideology it's going to put them at odds with their friends that think the same thing as they do and we need to be like not those assholes on the internet um, but like a really great community that people come in and say I feel comfortable being a part of this and that they want to be a part of. Meanwhile, you know, we're creating businesses. We are not poor, like people impoverished. People like libertarians should not be broke. Like if you can, like <laughs> do, do, do find something to make a decent, like you don't need to be rich or anything, but like, um, and, and have a wonderful life with great connection and be making a contribution to the well-being of other people. Because whenever you do that, you feel like you're powerful. You feel like you're influential. You can do something. If you don't have any skills, go and fucking volunteer on a commune for three months. They'll let you do that for free and you'll like learn to build shit or just make yourself useful.
That's, that's, that's the only way. Because what I'm seeing, basically what they've done is they've made everyone completely crap by wasting 13 years of their life in mandatory education where they don't even learn to change a fucking light bulb. Some people literally, if the light goes out in their apartment, they're scared to change the light bulb because they're scared they'll do it wrong because they got red crosses all over their work at school whenever they made a mistake. So everyone should become competent and then they can't exploit you. The last thing they want is you to be like, oh, well, do you know what? If I lose my job, I'll just find another job. It's easy because I've got tons of skills. Because then you don't need the government. So they've made everyone incompetent because incompetent people are dependent on the state. Well, perfect example is with these vaccine passports uh, and how they're implementing it through the employment structure. Right. Where people are so concerned and so they have so little faith in themselves, in my opinion, um, that they can go and get a different career path or a different job or become an entrepreneur or find some way to not be coerced into taking right. a shot that perhaps they don't want or declaring that they got a shot that they did want. Either way, you know, it, it has forced a lot of people that share our principles to cave in that area of their life. And it's, it's devastating to witness. I know many people that have done so. And I understand. I mean, if you've been committed to a corporate path for 10 years plus and, and you're finally receiving the type of compensation you believe you've worked so hard to earn, um, you know, I just try and imbue in them a faith in themselves. Like mm -hmm. the fact that you did that, that you committed yourself to 10 years and you finally got to that, that plateau or that bar that you, you strive for, have faith that you can tell your boss to shove it up his ass if he tells mm. you that you have to put something in your body to continue to work there. Same thing with Harvey Weinstein, you know? You yeah. can get the movie role on your own. Yeah. What do you think? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I really well, fired him up. Well said. <laughs> That's it? That's all you got? All right. Um, <clears throat> so I've been uh, obsessing lately. I had James Lindsay on my show uh, last Sunday to discuss the Great Reset as a whole. I think that it's kind of come from the, the fringe conspiracy realm into mainstream libertarian conversation recently. Um, I'm curious if you are <clears throat> a scholar of this work, of this research, to figure out the, the actual orchestration of, of the plans that we're experiencing. No, it's like, uh, I, I was like, someone else has got that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like an economics geek and I like psychology stuff. So I was like, it's like, you know, a critical like race theory and stuff like that. Ah, Michael Reckonwald's got that. He's like, he, he's talking about wokeness. He can do that. <laughs> like everyone's yeah. got their niche. It's, it's specialization. Maybe, maybe you can, maybe you can educate me. But, but, but like, but what I want to know is if it's this nefarious agenda, why are they admitting to it all openly? Well, that's, I mean, there's also theories that go along with why they, they do that, but I, I don't actually buy into that. Um, so, well, can I, we think, hear, I think can we hear the short version of why they do it? Well, the conspiracy theory is that they they have some sort of a cult signaling thing where they they feel as if they are morally justified as long as they give us warning. I don't know oh, if that's true. Okay. Okay. I think that's bullshit personally. So I don't even want to talk about that. But um, I do think that that the reason that they talk about it openly is because it is not we're not dealing with you know men in smoke-filled rooms as much as people think in that these people are trying to implement really grand plans and they have to do it above board so that people can be um, aware of the ideas. I mean, this is why they frame it as uh, the, the Green New Deal. You know, they, right. they, they have to frame it in a way that's politically palatable or, or um, you can get a popular will behind it. So I think that they have to be 
a little bit above board because it's it's I mean, if you're trying to take over the world, you're not going to do it entirely in secret. I mean, you're going it's going to be incumbent upon you to recruit a lot of people to help you in that cause. And I don't think they have it. I don't think they have enough people. So they can't do it all in secret. That That's my thesis. at least. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, someone's so, someone likes so you've got a fan. <laughs> you've got a fan. Well, maybe a lot of people would think, yeah, we do, you know, yeah, we do need a reset. Yeah. P push the reset <coughs> button. This is kind of shit. It's a wash. Let's start, rip it up and start again. I've made that, I've made that point before. I mean, libertarians in particular oh. have, have wanted to reset a they, lot. They've got know? some good ideas. I mean, look, I mean, this uh, depopulation thing, that, I mean, like, as long as I'm the one that gets to choose who gets depopulated. That's a little scary. I definitely, <laughs> I don't want you in charge of that. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, you, you know what George Bernard Shaw said? He's like, you must all know some people who are just like, they're just like not much use to themselves or anyone else, you know. You're a terrible therapist. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, did you know, how did you know I was talking about my clients? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I do believe, though, that there is a Malthusian um, mm. vein that runs through the elite and and they and I believe that they're sincere when they say that the the population can't be sustained by the resources that exist on mm. the planet and and that we have to get down to a billion people and we're at seven plus now and it's like well but if they, you if you talk openly about that I'm going to start to think you're they, you're talking about murdering me they at are, some point but but here's the thing they they implemented a bunch of policies that created population explosions True. in Africa, South America, and East Asia. So if they didn't want a massive population, why did they implement those policies in the first place? It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's easy to get, it's easy to get the population down. It happens everywhere where there's, an afflu where there's affluence. If you look at the policy, where's doing well in Africa? Like Ghana, Ethiopia used to have famines, now they're doing well. Botswana, like countries like that, the more free market countries are doing well right they're going to stop having tons of babies because that's what happens everywhere where you so it's very easy to reduce the population you just like implement free markets and let people get rich right and then they stop having tons of babies that's why we've got like a declining pop you know population in western countries i find that fascinating because you you're right but also normally these malthusian thought leaders come from the countries where there is financial well-being yeah uh, why, it's weird yeah why is that yeah so it's like look um the, basically you need they should be they should have been they should have been doing everything they could to impress on africa the importance of secure property rights and free markets because once you get to a certain standard of living a few thousand dollars a year people start to care about the environment and that's when you start getting proper environmental policies put in place they t start taking care of their water better they clean it better they get proper sewer systems so there's not all the environmental damage they stop burning wood and you have like much much better environmental policies in place once countries get over that hump then so and then the the population number levels off starts to level off so it's like everything that they're saying just like one of my favorite stories from history um i used to have a friend that always remembered all these cool stories is there's this story that uh 
Julius Caesar was doing these invasions in Africa, and what he'd do is he'd go to an area and find one village and kill everyone in the village and pile them up, pile the bodies up, and then he'd go around the neighboring villages and get all the chiefs and say, come here and see this. And he'd show them the pile of dead bodies, and they'd be like, okay, whatever you want, just take over, do what you want, just don't do that to us. Now, he was succeeded by Augustus Caesar, who is said to have originated the turn of phrase, let's make peace or war. And Augustus Caesar learned, and he had a different idea. He went to Africa, and he'd find a village, he'd build an aqueduct, and put in plumbing, and then he'd go around the neighboring villages and bring all the chiefs. Thanks, I'm just getting to the zenith of my story. <laughs> if it's for zenith. me, tell them I'm out. Continue. It's, it's not for me. So same stra same basic idea. He built the aqueduct and put in sewers and like took the, the, the chiefs of the neighboring village to come and see them. And they're like, all right, great. Yeah, take over, do whatever you want. Same result, but completely different approach. Mm. So it's like, how do you approach problems intelligently, like with compassion and uh, not with like a, a sledgehammer? Well, that kind of leads perfectly into my final question for you. Uh, I, I mean, this is an example of both fighting and fleeing, what we're doing right now. Right. Um, and obviously in therapy, anxiety, a response to anxiety is oftentimes fight or flight. Uh, I'm curious if combining your two passions, both libertarian ideology as well as therapy help, uh, when, when should we do them? Is there a, is there a dividing line well, where, where fight makes sense versus flight? I think don't don't fed post. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm an individualist, so I don't really get this idea of, oh, it's really terrible when like doctors from Africa come to Western countries and like that's their choice. Like if if you've got you, what is the point in being like, say, a really skillful builder, if you go somewhere where there's no freaking materials? Like, you should go wherever you're the most useful to other people provided that that's fulfilling to you. Like, obviously, you wouldn't sacrifice your own happiness to do something where you were the most useful, but usually they go together. So if, if, if you need to go, maybe some places just need to get bad because everyone good leaves there and leaves all the kind of people who are compliant until they learn that it's not in their interests because... I just think everyone's got responsibility to themselves first to live like a fully fledged life because you only get one of those and like you've got to make the best of your own life and that and doing that tends to mean going where you're useful going where you can actually make um, make a difference so you're wasted like I was wasted in Scotland because I didn't get to come to all of these cool libertarian events whereas I actually feel like I'm more useful mm -hmm. so I think that is go be you know, with your people. Go be with your people and go make a contribution. Make a contribution, the best co contribution you possibly can. And you can't be faulted by that. That's what the West should have done. Instead of fighting a war on terror, we w should have fought an ideological war, which was like to demonstrate the benefits of a liberal in the old sense and the of a liberal order, right? right? You know, that should have been the, the, the fight. Instead of fighting a cold war, the, they should have been bringing philosophy. 
evidence, reason, explaining it, make sure everyone understands the logic of the argument and why it works. If they'd done that, it would be a completely different planet we lived on. So we just need to show an we just need to show an example so that people can go. Well, they sure seem to be having a great time over there, and maybe we should be more like them. Right. Well, I think I think that's how we were winning back when you and I were kids. But mm. um, at this point, we've gotten so far away from a free market system yeah. that it's like, how can we possibly espouse those? those beliefs as like, this is why we're dominant. Like, no, now we're dominant because we're an empire. You know, right. like that's, that's the truth. And it, if you're, if you're trying to say, well, look at all this financial well-being that we have and you don't, mm -hmm. well, they're, they're going to turn around now and say, well, yeah, it's because you bombed and stole my resources. Right. So exactly. It, take, it takes the legs out from under yeah, your argument. Exactly. You, you don't have a, you don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. They may not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, in a, in yeah, a I know that was sense. dark, but it's dark, but it's fucking it's true. true. I mean, you're just some random person in Afghanistan or Yemen or something like that. And next thing you know, a bomb falls in the house next door to you. Right. And you hear screaming in the middle of the night. It's messed up. People take <coughs> for granted it doesn't happen just because it doesn't happen to them. So we've lost the moral high ground and now we need to build everything up from scratch. And it's scary. But do you know what? If you're having a fulfilling life, then the, w the world can't get you down too much. You just need to call focus on you, what you're doing with your life. Like, what are you... D if you're doing what you really love and living your passion, you must be making a contribution to the well-being of other people just by doing that. And then, yeah, the world might get you down sometimes, but you go, look, I'm doing the best I can. I've got a clear conscience. Right. Well, it, and... I respect your answer as to the, you know, individualist perspective that we don't need a collectivized response per se, but I, I think it, at some point it is important if you are a believer like I am that the Build Back Better Great Reset folks are serious when they tell us what they intend right. to do, um, that it may require individuals to have a collective response that looks very similar, right. you know, um, and yeah, I don't know what yeah. that is and I don't know where gold gulch is or whatever but right. it's i don't think we're going to be able to outrun this um i hope that i'm wrong and i hope that we can propagandize people through the internet and not have to risk our our physical bodies to do so but it seems as if the noose is tightening and i i know you just said a bunch of optimistic shit and i'm getting really dark so i apologize yeah, uh, but this I is how like, i feel i so. feel like that sometimes too yeah but i i feel like i feel like sometimes but usually it's been when i've been doing things that are ineffective Mm -hmm. Then I start to get really down and I start to get really pessimistic about things. Now it's like, I don't fucking know how this is going to go, but I've done the best I can. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do any better than I've done. That's how so, I feel. So, you know, the rest is not up to me. It's like, the, you know, the serenity prayer. Grant mm -hmm. me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, to change the things I can, and the courage to, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Focus on where you, you do have power and exercise that power and where you don't just go well i guess that's not my job that's someone else's job this is why i love podcasting because you start off with brave heart sex jokes and you end with the serenity prayer uh thank you any anthony samaroff for coming on I thank appreciate you so it. much for having me it's you came, great to be on your show you came like fifteen thousand miles thank you guys thanks i had a great time no. <laughs>
I didn't bring the audio check. I'm sorry. Freestyle. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go. The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you probably wonder what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical feminine. A typo with Luke might bring the nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic and rip for 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe